Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a designer, co-founder of the brand Lee Distrust. I think I'm pronouncing that very incorrectly. And she's also a philanthropist. Welcome, Alana Hadid. It is a lot of trust. Don't worry. <laughs> Everyone messes it up. It's French. Um, you know, but honestly, that's that's the funny thing about that is that our my newest collection is called LA Stress and and it's based on a bunch of my friends messing up the name Lot of Trust and they were like LA Stress. So I totally understand it's it's French. No one's expecting everyone to say it correctly. I'm so excited to be on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. And also like I literally as soon as I started think I'm like, oh shoot, I don't know how to pronounce this. I did not think about that before. Probably well, should have reality. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, at least we're being real with it. And you know and Listen, now I get to tell people how to say it, so it's perfect. So what is it French for? It means um, to be in distress, and since the beginning, like, the impetus of the, the brand was um, distressed denim, um, I thought it would just be a, a cute little tongue-in-cheek, like, a play on words in French. So, that is um, really cute. Yeah, thanks. But everyone says, like, L.A. distressed, or, and I'm like, it's la distress, but, you know. <laughs> It's it's fine. No one knows how to half the people are saying Balenciaga wrong. So like that's fine. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> fine. I mean, my cat has a French name and no one says it right. I mean, I don't speak French. I don't know why I had any business naming my cat this, but I just decided I'm like, oh, it's cute. I'm just going to do it. It's fine. Uh, What's the cat's name? His name is, and it's it's so messed up because when I adopted him, they told me it was a girl. So I gave him a name, which is Fifi, which apparently means sweet little girl. It does. And then Ooh. turns out he's actually a boy. And so <laughs> that happened to me. Really? Oh my God. That's when, when I was younger, um, my mom got a cat and uh, they thought it was a girl. So we named her Vic, uh, Victoria. Yeah. We And Vicky. And then realized later that it was a boy. And ironically, there is that, you know, movie Victor Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and that was totally unplanned. But, yeah, we had a, um, a same exact thing happen. So. So funny. But, yeah, did the you. The boy cat. I literally. And everyone was like, just change the name. Just change the name. I'm like, no, that's so disorienting. I don't want to give him a whole identity crisis. Like, he's been called this for six months. Like, I'm not yeah. even changing the name. I also think it's weird to change names of animals when they're, like, adopted. Like, oh, I, for sure. Like, yeah, I'm like, like this is who he is. This is who he yeah. is. Like, and he knows it. And like, I mean, you know, to be fair though, I can call him anything that even sounds slightly similar to his name, and he'll respond to it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. okay. <laughs> um, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about your brand though, and like kind of how it came to life. I love all of your sweats. Like they are Thank so, you. like they're so cool. And I know that you do a lot of denim too. But I want to kind of like hear about how the brand came to life, where it started, like. Just tell me all the things. So it started in 2017. Um, a, well, a friend of mine who we were also working together, we were both, um, at the time, we were both stylists and personal shoppers. Her name is Emily. She's my business partner. Um, I just had this idea for a brand. So the idea being um, surrounded by uh that I think that a denim jacket is a staple that people really don't pay attention to. <laughs> um, and like, you know, everyone has a leather jacket that's their go-to. And I think that a denim jacket is just as cool. Um, 100%. It's not cooler and more versatile because it can be worn through seasons. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I wanted to do a brand that kind of centered around the denim jacket. And uh, I told her about the idea and to go get her. I mean, I had probably had this idea for like six months to a year and she within like a week. And I don't even know if I had asked her to be my partner at that point. I just told her about the idea. <laughs> she had like meetings set up for us the next week. I mean, we were like incorporated within like, you know, like two weeks. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. She's really amazing. Um, so, you know, she's the go-getter. Um, I'm the like creative and yeah. um, it works really well. So we started off with a capsule collection. Um, you know, we were only four jackets to start. Um, it was like every kind of iteration of a denim jacket. We had, you know, everything from raw to completely distressed and restitched. And I, I really loved it, but you know, we realized that we needed to branch out. We were, um, you know, getting into our wholesale, we were mm -hmm. getting into, um, our direct to consumer and, you know, like our, our customer had bought every one of our jackets and was like, okay, what else? Yeah. Um, yeah. so we, in September, um, of last year, we, uh, launched the acid drop collection and, um, and that was, Amazing. I mean, we did a New York Fashion Week uh, party. It was super awesome. And then we did, um, we, I mean, that was like our full, first full collection. Um, it was sweats and t-shirts. Um, right before that, we had done tie-dye, but it would have been more also more of a capsule collection. And then we did a full collection of this acid drop, which was really fun. Um, and then we did our next full collection in February. That was um, the one that I was just telling you about, L.A. Stress. So, um, we, you know, we just expanded. I mean, we think we're an older company because we've been around in our heads for so long. But <laughs> really, like, it's only been like a year and a half, almost two years that we've been um, you know, like a full collection. So it's been really fun. And we've gotten into sweats, which obviously is what everyone's wearing right now. So, so we're really, right now. we're super blessed, um, you know, that we pivoted our company a, a little beforehand um, into something that, you know, I know the denim industry is really suffering right now. And um, we're really lucky that we are moved into a, a, a part of the fashion industry that is, um, it's that what is, people you know, kind of still need right now. Because I know that yeah. as soon as quarantine started, that's when I really sat down and reflected on the fact that I'm like, I feel like I don't have a very extensive sweatpants collection. Like I have a few pairs that I like. And then, you know, those random pairs that maybe I've worn once, but they just don't feel right or fit right. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to, I need to expand my sweatpants wardrobe. My loungewear wardrobe yeah. needs to be cuter because if I'm going to be home all day, I want to feel cute. I want to wear something that looks good. And if I have to go you know, run an errand, go to the grocery store, I want to be able to just like get up and put my face mask on and go. Exactly. And so we're really happy that we that's what we provide. You know, we have like kind of fun, high fashion, um, like, but accessible sweats, and they're so comfortable. I have to be honest. They're, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that like, that seems like a, not a hard sell, because they're mine, and I designed them, but they're so comfortable. We wash them. They look times. like the fit of them just like, I feel like I can tell how a sweatpant is going to feel by the way it kind of falls. And I was like, looking at them the other day, I'm like, the way they fall, like, I know it's that really soft kind of fabric. Thank you. Yeah, we we also just it, everything is hand dyed, um, and so and everything is hand washed, and it's washed multiple times. Um, so it's 
it is really, really soft. I mean, the idea being that it would be like a sweatpant that you like inherited from your, you know, your mom or dad's that they had that. in college or something. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. It's like some of my best favorite softest pizzas are those like kind of vintage pieces that have already been broken in. And like, I think that we all just kind of like that feeling of like a broken in piece of clothing. Like it just feels really nice. It feels good. Yes. A t-shirt that you get like a vintage t-shirt that's been washed oh like God. thousands of times. I mean, that's like why people pay like hundreds of dollars for those. Um, so the idea was we're kind of giving that we were doing that with our denim jackets. Like, you know, you could buy a denim jacket from us that was raw and that was super cool. But then we also had a denim jacket. We have a denim jacket that's restitched, um, but it's been washed multiple times, stone washed. So the idea being that if you had that raw jacket and you wore it and you pass it down to your kids, they wore it. And then they, they pass it down to theirs. They would have that like restitched jacket at the end. So you can get every iteration of denim. So we try to do that with our sweats as well, like give you that kind of vintage feel without having to wait, you know, a whole generation to get it. <laughs> I I love that. And like, yeah, like I genuinely feel like those are some of my favorite pieces that I have in my wardrobe are pieces that have that feel to them. And like, I feel like coming up, like have first of all, your business partner is incredible for being so proactive because I mean, to have an idea and then like see it come to life is just such an incredible experience. Like, is it still very surreal to you that like, this is real. Oh, like, this is yeah. Happening. I mean, we were, it's, it is. And, you know, we did um, like a little pop up in Miami um, during Art Basel. And um, we were out like afterwards at some party. My friend was DJing. It was like a club. And we were out, and there was like a guy at a table standing on the table, and he was wearing one of our sweatshirts. And it was oh my so God. cool to see. I mean, seeing like people out in the world wearing it yeah. and and it's funny because a friend of mine was also wearing the same exact sweatshirt um and she walked by him and he was like yeah he's like lot of trash it's so cool like so soft oh my God. and it was I, like it melted my heart to see someone and i i also love seeing a guy wear it because it is yeah sex, so it it's 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 cool to see that like you know it's translating the way that i want to i mean that these are like ideas that just live in my head the fact that yeah. i can put them out in the world and then people actually identify with them is a really cool thing i feel like anyone who has started a business and see it come to fruition when they see people resonating with their like creativity it's a very cool feeling it's it's like it doesn't feel like real it's like wait you you like it you really like like you like this thing yeah. that i've created and like took the time like it just it feels so like heartwarming but then also just like how is this real life like it's just i'm really happy for you and i'm really excited to see where you continue to go because i love your designs and i love everything you're doing and so i'm just Thanks. i feel like really excited for you but so we were chatting a little bit before we started recording about your dad because uh alana's half palestinian and you recently were cooking with him i think you were making him sechan right yes exactly <laughs> it was very fun but it's very um interesting to I've never do made a live yeah well i mean i it's not a hard dish what was what was difficult was following along with my father. <laughs> um, he, you know, he is making it for himself. And then, you know, it's one of the things that is great about my dad. And one of the reasons why he has so many followers and people love watching him on lives is because he's so authentic. He's not trying to put on he's not doing a cooking show. Yeah. Um, you know, that is going to 
teach you the recipe, to be completely honest. He's just cooking and he <laughs> knows that people want to watch. Um, and I'm trying to learn the recipe and I'm struggling so hard. Um, thankfully, I know him well enough, but it's, it's funny because I received about a hundred DMs afterwards saying, Oh my God, my Palestinian father is exactly like that. And so, and, you know, Nor was saying the same thing. Yeah. I think it's really funny that, you know, that this is like a universal. Um, it's just something about like a Palestinian dad's like mannerism and like the way they are. And they're just so like chill, but like also like kind of intense. Like it's just, it's, I don't know. It's really, it's really fun to see another dad who's like similar to my dad. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm like, oh, that's so cute. He's like my Baba. But like at the same time, like I was thinking about it the other day um, and I was like, dude, your dad is kind of like a little bit of a Palestinian icon. Like, is he aware of that? Like he's actually, when I think about it, I'm like, who are, you know, some Palestinian people who are like kind of, you know, really doing something that I have a lot of respect for. I'm like, he's one of those people. Like, I feel like he makes Palestinians look really good. And as someone who's Palestinian, like I appreciate that. And I'm like, dude, he's kind of like an iconic person. Like that's actually really cool. I mean, we all see it, obviously, and we're super proud of it. And, yeah. and we're thankfully, I mean, we're proud of our heritage. I'm so proud to be half Palestinian. I'm I'm also half Irish and my, you know, siblings are half Dutch. Um, but we have we have cool combinations and we're we're just really, really proud of our Palestinian side. Um, we're all like championing championing it all the time. Um, but I think my dad, you know, I, you know, I think that he he knows that he's done something really great, but I I think that my dad is is one of those people who he just that's just him. Like I yeah. think that he you know he would have been doing that no matter what. Um, you know whether or not he had you know been able to stay, um, whether he was living here, whether he had become like a chef, whether he had yeah. you know been like a, a landscaper or it's just kind of know, who he is. Show- He's just that kind of person. And he's one of those kind of people. I mean, he's done some really phenomenal things that a lot of people don't even know about. Like he went, he went to the Olympics. Um, uh, He was, he went to the Olympics for downhill skiing for Jordan. Um, Oh my God. I I had no idea. That's so cool. I want to say, I want to say it was like 1996. It might've been earlier than that. It might've been 1993, Um, but it was the winter Olympics. um, And he had his, Jordanian passport. He went went for Jordan, um, and he and he. I mean, he qualified. There's, you know, he qualified for downhill skiing, and he had. I think he was the oldest Olympian in that that year, and he had only learned how to ski like ten years earlier. That's um, insane. Yeah, his, his a, a good friend of his um, was an Olympic gold medalist downhill skier. Um, Franz Weber. Um, and he was a friend of ours family. And my dad had just been like, I think I could do it. Teach me. <laughs> um, and he did and he qualified. Um, and you know, a lot of people were like, well, he was the only person from Jordan. Well, the qualifying time is the same, you know, throughout yeah. the world. Yeah. So he had to qualify. I mean, it's just like, you know, Jamaica had a bobsled team. They had to qualify. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's just so crazy that he, he qualified after only like, cause most people are like seeing like their entire lives, like preparing for this moment. Oh yeah. He just decides that he wants to do something and he just does it. And, and that's just the kind of person that he is. And, uh, you know, my dad has, uh, nine lives we always say and he's you know he's only like he might only be on his like second so where it's very <laughs> it's very very exciting to watch to see what he does next 
Yeah, and and I think I, I was I was like I said I was doing a little deep dive on you, and I saw that you actually visited Palestine last year. I think I with did. your dad. I did. I I visited a few times, um, and I visited with my dad, which was so amazing and touching. Um, we got, we went to Bethlehem together. Um, we didn't actually get to go to Ramallah together, even though I went to Ramallah with my cousins, who my cousin who lives in uh, Nazareth. Um, and we went to Bethlehem. We went to Jerusalem. We were in um, Safed, which is is on the Israeli side, but it was yeah. where my grandfather was from, and so it would have been. Uh, my dad was born in Nazareth because that's where my grandmother's family was from. Um, but uh, he would have lived in Suffolk if um, if he had been able to stay. But he was born, and only a few months later, um, they you know they had to flee, so they were, yeah. they were refugees. So um, uh, so we I took him there for the first time, and in Suffolk there is a Hadid quarter of the city. Um, so we were really lucky to have a historian take us around the city. Um, and show us the Hadid quarter, and so uh, it was cool. incredibly touching. I'm getting like choked up now just thinking. About I mean, it. just hearing you talking about it, like I'm actually getting chills because I'm like, I can't imagine what an incredible experience that is, especially to share it with your father, who's a refugee, and then for you to just like learn so much about like your family history. It's just, it, I think it's probably like I don't know. I think that's such a special experience. Oh, it was so beautiful and such an amazing thing, and so. Um, profound um to be in this place and you know it's so beautiful and touching and also so um sad yeah be, it's you know definitely an element of like it's it's a little bit heartbreaking to see this you know this place where you know what could have been you know what i mean and and exactly and the suffering and 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 all the heartbreak and i mean i can't even fathom what it would be like to be a refugee. And so when I hear stories of, you know, obviously like my family and, and other Palestinian people, it's the, the fact that they're able to persevere, per- persevere and still like be so successful to me. I'm just yeah. like, I don't know if I would be able to do that. Like that takes so much like strength and drive and just like resilience. Exactly. And that's instilled in them. And, and that's, what's amazing being the child of one is that, you know, it's in our DNA, um, yeah. you know, uh, that kind of, uh, that feeling. Um, and then, you know, going there, um, I, you know, everyone, when you, when you, when we walked around the city and, you know, there were some families who stayed, um, who left and came back. Um, and, you know, there are some amazing Palestinian families living still in Suffolk and in, in a lot of parts. Um, and they all greeted me, welcome home. Oh, my I'm God. choked up a little bit. Oh, my God. And it was really the most beautiful thing. It's very touching. I mean, just because, you know, that's, that, that is home, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that, and, and seeing my father walk through the city, it was just such a proud and sad and beautiful moment. So I was just really proud that I, and, and I felt so lucky that uh, we were able to go there. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many people. I, I did a highlight on my Instagram um, of it's about my, you know, my trips through um, Palestine. And um, what, what I thought was beautiful and sad about it was I was able to show so much of it to people who live in Palestine who will never get to see that part, um, who are not allowed to go there. Yeah. Um, so that was what was, you know, I felt such 
reverence to the fact that I could go in and out of the borders and I could be in, I could go to that part where my father would have lived, that there are people who are living, you know, so close that can't, um, can't go there. So um, it was very uh, poignant and uh, I did not take that lightly. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. It's definitely a really difficult situation because, you know, I I haven't been to Palestine since I was like six years old. And the reason I think the main one of the main reasons for that is because my parents are both from Gaza. So all of their family is in Gaza. But the thing is, yeah. is if I go into Gaza, I can't I can't go anywhere else in Palestine. And also like the just the, the like in Gaza, yeah. it's, it's just kind of not an idea. It's not safe. It's just no. it's just not a safe place to be. And so my dad is very hesitant for me to go there. But I've been telling him recently, like, I just I feel like I have to go. Like, I feel like I like a you part should. of me. I feel like this need like I have to go there. I have to be there. And but I will say it's a little bit of a. I mean, I feel like, you know, it would be a privilege, but at the same time, it would be a bummer to go to Gaza and not be able to go anywhere else because that's the thing, you, you can't go anywhere once you go into Gaza. Like, you literally can go in and then you have to leave and then that's, that's kind of it. And well, so I would, I would say go everywhere else and then do Gaza at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, like, I, I just, I've never been to Ramallah. I've never been to Jerusalem. When I went to Palestine when I was really young, we just kind of went to Gaza. So, I really want to see it because, I mean, it just, I feel like it's something that will kind of make you feel connected to your kind of your heritage in like a different way. And um, I, I was born in America. And so like, I didn't really develop kind of like a lot of connection to like my Palestinian heritage. I feel like seriously feel that until I got a little bit older and really fully understood it and how beautiful it is. And I just feel like it's something that you kind of need to experience. I agree. And I, 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 I was not that I was naive. I just didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's such, I mean, Ramallah was, it was very gorgeous. I mean, there's, there's no way to, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's a really cool bustling city um, and such a fun place to be. Um, I went with my cousin, we went out, there's like a very like active nightlife. Oh, that's um, so cool. It's like very cool. There's a lot of um uh there's a lot of European people living there. There's a university near there. There's a lot of uh like Germans and um English people just all living and hanging out like young people. Um you know, we went to a bar that was Packed. People were dancing and singing, and uh, that actually you know, makes me so happy to hear. Honestly, yeah. oh, it's it's such it's the idea that you know people are walking around scared, or that there's like you know that everyone is wearing like uh, bulletproof vests, or that yeah. you know that there's like snipers on the on the streets is complete and utter. Excuse me, it's bullshit. Oh, um, we we curse on this podcast. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just it's it was we you know we were it's my cousin and I two girls walking at night by ourselves going from you know we were going from like bar to bar we both drink you know we were having drinks we were having yeah. fun everyone was super nice and and um you know there was like at the time we walk we were walking from one place to another there was a, a car that had gotten in an accident and everyone was like helping redirect traffic you know everyone is it's it's 
so communal and yeah. I felt the same way in Bethlehem is so beautiful. I mean, there's, there's a totally different element because of the, there's like a, you know, a Christian element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as well, there's a lot of tourism there, but it's so gorgeous as well. And so beautiful there. Um, I, I'm really lucky that I've gotten to see a lot. I haven't been to Gaza. Um, and that is what I want to do on my next trip, but I, I wasn't, able to go to Gaza. Um, yeah, but. Gaza, that's the thing. It's it's very like, sometimes you can get in, sometimes you can't, sometimes it's easier. Like, it's just so kind of like up and down. And there's just like a lot of like difficulty, I think, when it comes to of it. Course. But yeah, I mean, that's where, that's why like, you know, whenever my parents used to go, they would go to visit like their mothers before they passed away, basically. And, yeah. and I would always be like, oh, I really want to go. And they're like, no. And I, and I was mm. young and I kind of didn't get it. And then I got older and they were like, you know that these people don't have like running water a lot of the time. Yeah. They don't have like electricity for days at a time. Like it's just not the same. Like, Cause I'd be like, oh, my friends go to Palestine. They're like, yeah, but Gaza's just slightly, it's just it's slightly very different. different. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, I mean, I'm describing a different area where people yeah. are walking around on the streets. And I'm not saying that I, like, I don't know personally, and I don't like to, speak to things I don't, I haven't experienced. And that's one of the things that was amazing. I mean, I, I spent time um, in Israel and in Palestine. I mean, yeah. And, and I never seen what has happened, you know, what is going on in, in the whole region. Any of us could, you know, unless we, we really live there, I don't think we could really kind of understand what that experience is like for them. Yeah, I really didn't know what, you know, and I had, the last time I had seen my cousins who lived there was when they had visited the U.S. in the early 90s. Um, so to go there and see them and, you know, one is married and one had went to school in Berlin and came back to live, um, to live in Nazareth. And, you know, uh, my, my cousin, but, you know, she's more like my aunt, but um, she's my father's cousin. Um she has this like amazing Medi spa there and it does really oh, look, so I mean, cool. It, it's really like it, it was, I was so happy to reconnect with my family there and I'm so eternally grateful that I did that. And, um, and then I was able to travel there and it just gives you a much more, I mean, not everyone has the privilege of being able to do it. I'm so glad that I did and that yeah. I got to, you know, do it as well a few times on my own. And then also to, to do it with my dad was such a, amazing experience definitely and i want to ask though because do you do you speak arabic no i don't well, that's what i'm saying <laughs> i'm like thinking i'm like i don't think you speak arabic i'm like what was there like a language barrier while you were there because i feel like a, a no, lot of times they do kind everyone of speak english. english yeah no i mean listen i uh i can understand a little bit yeah um my so it's funny because I was just speaking to talking to my dad and telling him that, um, like I have been brushing up on my French. Um, I spoke French as a child and, and I lost a lot of it. And so That's I'm brushing so up on my French, like literally a little French child. Like, honestly, I'm going to make all of my nieces learn French. immediately. <laughs> and then I, um, I realized as soon as I feel like I'm strong again in my French, I'm going to, I want to learn Arabic. I, the fact that I don't speak Arabic has bothered me for a few years now. So I'm, I think my, my 
Arabic is next on my list. So next time we talk, hopefully I can speak to you It'll in just Arabic. be in Arabic. It's just going to be yes. straight up. It's going to oh, be like yeah, an episode totally. of like Al Jazeera. It's just going to be me and Alana speaking <laughs> fully in Arabic. It's so funny because like even for me, like both of my parents speak Arabic, but I don't think that I fully learned Arabic until I was like maybe like 12 and it's only because we moved to Dubai and we lived in Dubai for four years and everyone there speaks Arabic obviously but even before that I just think that like living in America like you just end up speaking in English because that's what every the language that everyone speaks and it's especially if both of your parents don't speak Arabic it's just not going to be like you know it's not going to surround you kind of thing you know what I mean and yeah my dad obviously speaks Arabic. My mom didn't, although I have to say my mom's understanding of Arabic because she had been around it for so many years yeah. was, is really amazing. I mean, I remember when my, sadly, when my, uh, when my grandmother was um, passing away, she was, she was uh, at the end, she had Alzheimer's, but my mom would go visit her all the time. And, um, she, you know, she had lost her English with the Alzheimer's and she was only speaking Arabic. And my mom was understanding everything and responding. And I was like really proud of her. Yeah. So uh, we just didn't, we, you know, we didn't take Arabic in school. We took French. So, um, you know, so my dad didn't really have a reason to be speaking to us in Arabic. So I, I, I'm a little upset that he didn't, but, (laughs) um, now I'm, you know, 36 years old and having to learn. So this is going to be interesting, but, um, I have. I feel like I have enough of like a mental base of it that I. I think I'll. I'll be at an at a, an advantage. I, I. I think you. I honestly think that you could probably do it. And also, I will say one thing that helped me learn Arabic is watching soap operas because mm. we didn't have a lot of English channels when we first lived there. It just wasn't a thing. And then like a year later, they were like, oh, now there's like, we had like Nickelodeon or something. So like, yeah, okay, yeah. Fuck, fuck this. I'm not watching this anymore. But like I was watching <laughs> these like Egyptian soap operas, which again, had no business doing this. I was a child, but it like you kind of like you pick it up because they're so dramatic with like their body language and everything there. It's Arabic is also such like an expressive language. True. So I feel like just by watching that, I really like, absorbed like a lot of things which is also hilarious because when I speak in Arabic no one can tell where I'm from my accent is just like a mismatch of everything my accent sounds like I know what I'm doing but I genuinely have no idea I'm just kind of like throwing things together and hoping for the best but but I I have the accent down so I feel confident when I'm speaking but like in reality just so many grammatical errors it's just it's very it's not great but um definitely I think you should try to do that and then when you do we're going to just have to have like an Arabic episode but um, I'm into it I do want to know, do you feel like being half Palestinian, like, kind of played a role in, you know, I think that, like, culture is such, like, a big thing, but do you feel like it kind of played a role in your upbringing and kind of who you grew into? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think heritage in general plays a lot of role, but I think the fact that um, we identified with with a group of people who were marginalized made us really empowered to talk about and be Palestinian. I mean, uh, we felt it as children. Um, and, and I think it's also something that's bonded, um, me and with my siblings as well, you know, our, 
um, our that feeling of like of Palestinian family has been has been something that definitely like kept us go. You know, we we talk about it all the time with each other. Yeah. We make little jokes about it. You know, we um, we're really empowered by it. Oh, you know, the cooking, the 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 family. I mean, yeah. We spent a lot of our time, my my older sister, Marielle, and I spent a lot of our time, um, we lived right down the street from my Tata and all of my aunts and uncles. We all, um, my, da- my dad's side of the family all lived in like one neighborhood, basically. That's that, so nice. And also, well, my dad had built it. <laughs> my dad built the neighborhood and then everyone lived in it. Um, so, uh, yes, they all lived, my my grandmother my tata had the had the um uh corner house and then my cousins all had different houses like down the street so i mean we were so lucky that we like every day after school i was you know over at my tata's house with all of my cousins all of my aunts and uncles you know she was my tata was cooking for like an army we we would bring (laughs) friends over um it was it was amazing and it was definitely like you know it was a big part of my culture my culture like you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, it's definitely what shaped my uh, sense of humor. My aunts and uncles are hilarious. <laughs> my aunts mostly are really, really funny people and, um, you know, would joke around like they would teach a, teach me only like really bad Arabic words. That's what um, you have to do as an aunt. That's literally yes. my job to my nieces <laughs> is teaching them all like the most foul things to say and then making them go up to my dad and say it yes. and running away. Yeah. That's what my that's what my aunts were doing to me, um, and uh, you know, and and watching we were watching like Arabic cartoons. Um, oh, and, so cute. Yeah, I think there's okay. So I don't. I, I remind me, is it a seal? Is the the word for seal like basically sound like fuck? It's like baby. Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'll be honest. So I don't know what the word for seal is, but if I, there's just so many words in Arabic that sound hilarious in English. So I'm sure that's true. <laughs> so my Tato used to say, okay, come kids. Now time for baby fuck. <laughs> and my mom would be like, no, 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 no. Um, that's so, so funny. Yeah. It was really funny. We were like, I mean, we obviously also didn't know what that meant. So of course, you know, yeah. we were like, okay, baby fuck, you know, and yeah, so it was time. really funny. <laughs> exactly. And you know, my aunt, we would, we learned how to, you know, roll grape leaves or, or, and then, like at the um at, at my the table with all of my aunts and uncles and cousins so and nice. now now my cousins I have um one of my cousins lives in LA and my other cousin my cousin Dina lives here my other cousin Nadine comes here all the time and my sister Marielle and I go over to Dina's house and we roll grape leaves together I mean it's really like something that like we, it's like unbeknownst to us it's like it's like pumping through our body all the time so yeah I mean it's definitely like shaped me as a person for sure and I think it's so interesting how cooking or baking a Palestinian dish just something about it like I've never been one to really cook that much until kind of quarantine to be honest with you like it's not like I anytime I would cook it would be it would turn out okay but I'm like oh I live alone let me just like get takeout it's just easier or whatever and I've been kind of dabbling into like some Palestinian recipes right now and 
something about it, it just makes me feel like it feels right. I know that sounds so weird. It just feels like this is what I was meant to do. So I'm like, is it like in some type of like genetic DNA? Like I need to make like sauce out of medication. Yes. Like I just have yeah. to do this. Like it happens like innately. And I'm like, why am I good at this? Like I literally could have very easily fucked this up and yet it's delicious what's going on right now? I don't know. My mom was also so like, she was like, why are you making Zaza Manaish? I'm like, mom, I don't know, but it's delicious. And she was like, it's so good. Impressive. Yeah. Now you're making me want it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Can you come I, over? literally I'm like, I will put Zaza on anything, everything. And I don't know if you, anyone told you this when you were growing up, but everyone would always tell me it was really good for my memory. I don't know if that was just like in a, my family type of thing, or if it's a real thing. I don't know. I think that it was just like, it's I, what was that? Like in that movie, um, my big fat Greek wedding where like they yeah. put um, Windex <laughs> and everything. Yeah. yeah. It was Lysol. Or Windex. Or Windex I don't know. Zatar yeah. <laughs> goes on everything, everything and it's good for everything. It was like, it's good for your hearing. It's going to yeah. make you tall and strong. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. everything. And I have like, like huge jars of it all over my house, in my kitchen, everywhere, like in the pantry. There's like, and I put it on everything. I'm like throwing it on a salad. Yep. It's going to go on my breakfast eggs. It's, it's so go good on the salad, on avocado uh-huh. toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. Everything. Zaza is literally like salt, pepper, Zaza. Like this just, it just goes on everything. But I think it's just so funny how it's such a weirdly like universal thing. Like no matter what, if you meet a Palestinian person, they're like, no, yeah, I love Zaza. Like I've never met someone who was like, no, you know what? I'm kind of indifferent. I'm not that into it. Yeah. I would be like, uh, let's do a 23 and me. You're definitely yeah. not Palestinian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of food, I feel like you are someone who's like actually healthy. Like someone like me, I'm fake healthy. That's what I like to call myself. Like I'm a very (laughs) fake healthy person, but I feel like you actually seem like you might for real be healthy. What have you been eating during quarantine? Oh yeah. I, in the last like four or five years, I've gotten really healthy. Um, And like, it's funny because my, my business partner, Emily says that um, I have the most health control she's ever seen, but I, I do whole 30 um, like, twice or three times a year. So okay. I don't I don't know if you've heard of Whole30. It's basically I've heard like, of it, but I'm be honest with you, I don't know what it is. I've heard people like, talk about it. It's like a no nothing. I mean it's it's like a version, a much more stringent version of of a paleo or keto. Okay. Um so but it's only a thirty days. So it's no alcohol, no sugar, no soy, no corn, no wheat, no legumes. Um uh, did I say no sugar? I can probably you just say um, no sugar, and I literally my jaw dropped. I was like, no yeah. sugar. So it's basically to to sum it up, it's it's meat, uh, vegetables, fruit, um, and like nuts, um, for um, for thirty days, um, and it's a cleanse. It's not supposed to be your whole diet. However, I started it at the right before quarantine, and I've basic in. In a basic sense, I've kept it going this whole time. So I haven't had a drink in about 70 days. Oh, wow. I feel like during um, quarantine, it's like the peak of everyone's drinking. Like people who I've never seen drink more than like half a glass of like maybe like a mimosa. They're like downing bottles of wine every day. <laughs> Which is why I love, okay, it's like anyone who knows me, follows me on Instagram, has like paid attention in the last year. I, my, I'm obsessed with tequila. I love tequila. I think it's like, <laughs> like, you know, like God's juice. And, um, I, but I, 
I had started this and I just feel really good. And I'm also, I'm only a social drinker, so I'm alone. So who am I going to drink with? And I'm not, I, I don't drink alone. So yeah. there's just no reason. Um, I have implemented in the last like 10 days sugar back into my diet, but um, because I've just, you know, I, I probably deserve it at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I pretty much eat like that anyway. And then I just did... Um, this thing called Prolon, which is, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I was like, Oh my God, this girl's in the head. How is she doing this? It's a, yeah, it's a five day fast mimicking. So it's like you're doing a water fast, but you're actually consuming food. Um, and it's pretty amazing. I think it's such a great thing for your body, um, to, to do that. If, well, water fast is really hard. So doing this is like a lot easier and I loved it. Um, and I've done like broth, like bone broth things before. I'm like, I like trying out new stuff. I'm not like big into like fad stuff, but the stuff yeah. that I know that it's like really, and I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty healthy. And, you know, I try to walk a lot during quarantine. I've upped my walking, like some, I'm doing like, you know, 10 to 20,000 steps a day. And, and same here. Like I literally, cause I just, I didn't. I guess I never noticed how much I was walking until like I wasn't going anywhere, and then mm-hmm. I was like, my phone would like tell me it was like you walked like I don't know like a thousand steps today, and I was like, yeah. that's deeply concerning and probably terrible for me. And so I started, I started going on walks, and like walking is kind of addictive. Like oh, I don't, I'm I don't, addicted. It's just I, I don't want to stop. Like the only thing that will stop me and make me come back home is either like my phone is dead, so I can't listen to music, or like it just it's, it's super dark outside and there's no one around, which is a little it's a little creepy. So I'm like, oh, it's probably time for me to go back home. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Trust me. Like uh, I I adore it that I wake up early and I get excited to like go on my walks. So that's I, so I did, like, nice a two that and you can do it in the morning. One. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no one out. That's also yeah. the, the best thing about it. And I also have a quarantine dog. He's not mine. He's a friend Aww. of mine. Yeah, he, he's not mine. He's a, my friend's dog who is um, is in Australia and obviously stuck there. Yeah. Um, so he he left his dog with me and he is basically mine now. I've had him for like three months. <laughs> oh, my God. He's your dog. He's definitely your dog now. Like, your friend's not getting this dog back. It's, yeah, it's your so, dog now. Sorry, Josh. You're not getting your dog back. <laughs> but that's actually so nice to have during quarantine. Like, I was yeah, I was looking at fostering dogs, and there were, I mean, which is really nice, but there were none. Like, I couldn't find any to foster because everyone Everyone's kind of, fostering dogs. Everyone's <laughs> fostering dogs, which I'm like, that's actually really, really, really nice. But I was, like, kind of bummed because I was like, this would be the perfect time because, quite frankly, I don't think I'm responsible enough to have a dog, which is why I was like, <laughs> fostering one temporarily seems ideal for me because I have cats. They're independent. They do their own thing. They don't need me. Dogs, on the other hand, are like small children. So, Oh, yeah. You have to pay attention. Yes, they are like small children. They definitely. are literally like, yeah, they're definitely like small children. But um, honestly, Alana, this has been really fun. Like, Thanks. literally, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and, you know, you do a lot of charity work and a lot of volunteering. Are there any charities that you'd like to, you know, bring attention to right now? And like maybe, you know, the audience look into them a little bit. Yeah, I've been working a lot with Fueling the Fearless. They're amazing. Um uh, they are not, they're doing kind of a two tiered approach. I've been going 
twice a week, every week, and dropping off food um, at hospitals for uh, medical workers. A lot of the, a lot of people think, oh, you know, these, you know, they're doctors, they're nurses, they're making enough money, they can make their food. They're working such yeah. crazy shifts, um, and a lot of what's getting donated there are like really unhealthy food. Um, like it's like, you know, they get like 20 pizzas and, you know, yeah. it's like that's not really helpful. So what Fueling the Fearless is doing is um, is supporting local restaurants by buying the food instead of asking them to donate it, because there are a lot of restaurants that are struggling a lot yeah. right now. Um, so they're doing that and then providing that food to uh, medical workers, especially um, in kind of, you know, poorer parts of um, Los Angeles that are are really struggling. So, um, you know, we've been doing that. I've been working on that for a couple of weeks. It's been really, really rewarding. So, you know, you can donate your time. It's it's national. So. Um, oh, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, there it's there are chapters of it. Um, and by chapters, I mean, there are people who are like on the on the ground doing things. I, I, I believe um, Los Angeles, New York, DC, um, a few places in Texas. And I think that it's cropping up in other places as well. So that's really great. Um, it's such a phenomenal uh, organization. So that's Fueling the Fearless. And then I also am on the board of the Los Angeles chapter of Make-A-Wish. Um, so, you know, Make-A-Wish is, even though we're not granting wishes right now, they're, it's such an amazing um, organization as well. And I, I'm so proud to be a part of it. Most people have heard of Make-A-Wish, um, but uh, it, it, it's such a great thing to be a part of, to watch these kids get like hope out of their wishes. And it's really great for families as well. Um, and, you know, when um, all this coronavirus stuff is, is you know, settled down, um, I'm excited to grant more wishes for these kids because they're, they're really yeah. deserving. Yeah. That's so nice. And where can people follow you online? Where can they shop your brand? Plug all the things. Okay. Um, so my, <laughs> my Instagram is Lonzie bear. Um, so you could follow me there. My, um, my brand is called Lada Trash. So that if you go to Lonzie bear, that's easier to spell. Um, <laughs> you can click on Lada Trash there. Um, so you can, or you can shop at um, www.ladatrust.com. I would spell it out, but that's like a lot. Um, you can just <laughs> I'll go it, to. I'll have it in the little the, the show notes. Oh, okay, awesome. Um, and uh, we are doing a few different donations um, as well. So um, look out for those. We have got a lot of different giveaways we've been doing um, for medical workers, and um, you know we've been doing things where like for a week um, every thing that you buy, you know, 10%, 15%, 20% are going to a charity. So look out for those things and, and we'll be doing um, as well, like some, some fun prizes and things like that. You know, we're trying to keep people's spirits up during this time. Yeah, that's so nice. And I will definitely have everything linked below. As always, you guys, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you'll see a beautiful picture of Alana. And you can follow me at Nor E on Instagram. And I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>